0: Hello my friends and welcome to worship for February 20th of 2022. Welcome to Carmen United Church. I'm the pastor here, Reverend Nick Phillips. And I'm so glad you're joining us from wherever you're watching from. As we begin our worship service today, I just want to start with a couple of quick announcements. Uh, the first is in two more weeks, we will be back hopefully live and in person here at Carmen United Church on March 6th, the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, come back together at 11 a.m. You know, we're so and we hope that you will be able to join us. We will still, of course, record the services, but they will not be available on Sunday mornings, obviously. We'll make them available later in the day. Our annual meeting has been scheduled by the by the board, by the council, and we will hold that on April 24th. We'll have the annual reports ready in the month of March. Uh, just another reminder that in January, we've had a lot of bills to pay for oil and whatever, and we need your support to keep the bills being paid and to be able to continue our ministry. So if you're able to support us, we greatly appreciate it. You can donate through our website. Or you can e-transfer or you can simply drop your checks off to Joyce. Anyway, you're able to help us greatly appreciate it. If you need anything, do not hesitate to give me a call in the office. I'm more than happy to sit and talk with you or come to visit you if that's appropriate. Uh, whatever it is, I'm here for you. So please let me know. That's all the announcements I have for you this day. Let's just take a moment to prepare our hearts to worship our Almighty God as we pray together. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom the seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chutza, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them, out of their resources. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, God, we we gather and worship of you this day. And as we reflect on your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. This is our last Sunday of looking at some of the heroic women of the Bible. As I stated at the start of the series six weeks ago, this is, this is only a small sampling of the many women named in the Bible who have had significant roles to play. I've tried, as we've gone along, to, to include a few others on the side, um, just to increase our exposure to their stories. I think as we've been going through this, we've learned clearly that women had leadership roles that were just as important as the men. Through this series, I've used a number of great resources for, for these sermons. But probably the most helpful was and uh, most educational for me was the website of Mary Mosko. On her website, she has a number of in-depth articles on many things biblically related. And her studies on women in the Bible were, were very informative in helping me understand the, the way women were treated and saw within the Bible and the impact that these particular women had on the people around them through their ministries and through their calls of following God. For the most part, throughout this series, we've been focusing on women of the Old Testament. And we've looked at, we've thrown in a couple from the New Testament as we've been going on. Today, in our last message on this series, our focus turns to the New Testament. It's not because there aren't too many women in the New Testament who are who had important roles. It's just that for now, for this time, I've chosen to focus mostly on women from the Old Testament. Because it's often said that the women of the Old Testament had no roles at all. And I thought we should look at some of their stories. As for the New Testament, we tend to rarely look at many of the women that are named in the New Testament. You know, we tend to focus on Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And some of the other high-profile women, but we don't spend quite as much time on them as, say, maybe looking at some of the men, the disciples, for instance. But in those just three short verses from the Gospel of Luke that I read, we see women were also important, as Luke named a few of them and said there were many others. Our focus today is going to be primarily on Mary Magdalene but in a way, I'm using her kind of as an entry point. to look at all the New Testament women. And we'll name a few of them today. And you may want to look up some of their stories later on. So who is Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene is a popular figure in the New Testament. She's mentioned by name over a dozen times in the four Gospels. We know that She's a a close friend and a very faithful disciple of Jesus. We also know from our reading from Luke today, she's wealthy, and she was just one of a few women who are financial supports for the ministry of Jesus. Without her and people like her, the traveling ministry of Jesus may have looked very different. As we've seen a number of times in our look at women of the Bible, Mary Magdalene has also been accused of sexual impropriety. She has been accused of being a prostitute by connecting her to the unnamed woman of the chapter before in Luke chapter 7, the woman who wept on the feet of Jesus and wiped the tears off with her hair. They are assuming that as they talk of that woman that she was a prostitute, which is not clearly said about that woman either. We just know she is a sinner. For some reason, people have made the connection or made the assumption that this woman is also Mary Magdalene. But there is absolutely no evidence of this at all in the Bible. Mary Magdalene is not a prostitute. Now, from what I've learned, it seems that this connection was made by Pope Gregory the Great all the way back in a sermon that he made in the 6th century. Yet this accusation has stuck to Mary Magdalene for nearly 1,500 years. So it makes me wonder, why, why do people hold on to this? Why do they want to keep putting Mary Magdalene down with the descriptor of calling her a prostitute. Well, like some of the other examples we've seen in the Bible, I believe it's because they want to keep her under control. They want to, they want to keep her uh, from being overly important. They want to keep her in her place as, as a sinner who is unworthy of the attention she is receiving. And in my opinion, this is a shame. As we look at the life of Mary Magdalene, we see she is very important. First, as one who significantly financed the work of Jesus, but also seeing her as a very close and trusted follower of our Savior. While it's often the 12 disciples who get all the real press, the real attention in the Gospels as Jesus' followers, we cannot ignore the fact that there are women women. Named in the Gospels as followers, like Mary Magdalene. And these women, they are dedicated followers of Jesus. They support his ministry financially, they're there for him every step of the way. In fact, you might even say they are the most dedicated followers of Jesus. Now, for example, when Jesus is crucified, who is it that is there when he takes his last breath? Is it the disciples? Well, the the ones that are named are the three Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Those are the dedicated followers of Jesus who are standing at the foot of the cross when he dies. The best we can glean from the Bible is that most of the disciples are watching from a distance away. Except for maybe one. Aside from being at the cross, Mary Magdalene is also a central figure in another important act of Jesus, a critically important moment. One morning she left the disciples to go to the tomb to take care of the body of Jesus after his death. She is the one who finds the empty tomb. But even more importantly, she was the first one to see the risen Christ. It's not any of the other disciples, it's Mary Magdalene who is the first. She is the one Jesus reveals himself to and gives the instructions to share with the rest of the disciples. It's Mary, not anyone else. Mary Magdalene is who you might say is the first Christian as she is given the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave and that he is alive. Jesus chose her to be the one, his trusted friend, the one who was dedicated to supporting his cause, the one who followed him through thick and through thin, the one who stood at the foot of the cross where he breathed his last breath, the one who went to the tomb to give his body a proper send off, the one who was there with him every step of the way, his most dedicated disciple, possibly. Mary Magdalene. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, you could argue that the most significant encounters Jesus had, those ones where he had the deepest conversations, the most powerful teaching moments, those would be the times that he spent with the women around him. One of the most significant stories in the New Testament, the one where we see Jesus spend the most time talking with one individual person face-to-face. That is the time he met the Samaritan woman at the well. This woman was cast aside by society. Yet Jesus met her. He talked with her. He showed her that she was worth far more than what other people thought of her. And Jesus chose her to be the evangelist who would take this good news back to her village and introduce Jesus to the Samaritan people. We also cannot forget two other very close friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha of Bethany. Now you may be starting to figure out that Mary is a pretty popular name back in the time of Jesus. And there are a number of scenes in the Bible where Jesus is visiting with Martha and with Mary, who are two sisters who are his good friends. Jesus had moments of teaching with both of these women on different occasions. There's a time that Jesus went to visit them and was sitting in their home, teaching those who were gathered around, and, and Mary chose to sit at the feet of the Jesus, sit at the feet of Jesus to take that precious moment to, to learn and hear from a great teacher while Martha was off busy preparing the meal. And we remember Jesus applauded Mary's choice. Then there was a time with Martha after the death of their brother Lazarus. And Jesus had this beautiful moment with Martha where he said in in John chapter 15, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked her. And in this powerful moment, Martha declares that she does indeed believe. In this series, we've, we've already talked about the hemorrhaging woman for 12 years that had an, early, uh, had an encounter with Jesus and was healed. If we had more time, we, we might talk about the woman who challenged Jesus at the dinner table. We might talk about the woman who wiped the feet of Jesus with her tears. We might talk more about Mary and Martha, or we might talk about the Samaritan woman, there are many women we could stop and talk about. And we cannot just focus on the stories of men in the Bible, as if they're more important than the stories of the women. As we've seen over the past six weeks, the stories of women in the Bible are very powerful stories, and we can learn a lot from them. From Mary Magdalene, we see a woman who is fully committed as a follower of Jesus. She she followed him step by step. She supported his ministry financially. Wherever she got her wealth from, we're not sure. She watched him die up close. She mourned and loved him enough to take care of his body three days later. And Jesus chose her to be the first to see his resurrected body. And gave her the message to share that he has risen from the grave and is alive. Now there's one more woman I want to mention today. We often hear how Paul has been hard on women. How they're not to speak in the church. How they shouldn't have leadership in the church. And this is again not true. I believe it's to be another misinterpretation of the Bible. For instance, in the book of Romans chapter 18, Paul writes a whole host, he lists a whole host of people who are important to his ministry. And many of them in that list are women. And a number of those women are named as elders and leaders and teachers in the church. And then, uh, even a few more were named as very important in the formation of Paul to become the great leader he became. And one of those women that are named we're about to look at. But first, we need to know that there was another man who was a great teacher in the early church. His name was Apollos. And he was full of passion. He was a, was a very impressive speaker. He was knowledgeable. He knew a lot of stuff. But his theology wasn't quite right. In particular, when he talked about Christian baptism. One day when he was teaching There was a husband and his wife sitting there listening to him, and they picked up on his deficiencies. And together they took him aside and corrected his theology in order to improve his message, to improve his efficacy in sharing the gospel message. Their names were Aquila and Priscilla. Or maybe I should name them as they are listed in the Bible. In Acts chapter 18, Priscilla and Aquila. A woman is never named before her husband, yet in the book of Acts, Priscilla is named before Aquila. This is significant. It shows that her ministry was probably more effective and more prominent than her husband's. This couple is named together six times in the New Testament. And in four of those instances, Priscilla is named before her husband. This is a lot about who Priscilla is as a teacher and leader in the early church. She and her husband were instrumental in forming Paul as a great leader in the church as he spent a couple of years living with them after his conversion to Christianity. We cannot understate the importance of women in the Bible or in God's church. We see that they led, they taught, they prophesied, they fought. They supported both financially and emotionally. And it sounds rather cliche to say it, but without women, many stories in the Bible would look very different, including the stories of Jesus. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe even including the stories of Paul. I've mentioned before that the women of Parkdale United Church in Ottawa were very instrumental in me coming to my faith. They'd, they were key to me meeting Jesus for myself and learning about him. Without women like Hazel and Barbara and Kathleen and Dorothy and, and Sue and Gloria and Judy and others, I would not be here today, I'm sure of it. These wonderful women, they, they extended me grace, they taught me Bible studies, they were my friends who welcomed me in and encouraged me along the way. <clears throat> They were at my service when I was ordained, celebrating a very special with me, special day with me, much how when I see pictures of Aaron Billard's uh, ordination, I see pictures with women standing with him from Carmen United Church. Do not underestimate the power, the importance of women in the Bible or in the church, now the Bible is written in a male-dominated society, and while things have changed over the years, over the centuries, we still live in a male-dominated society today, even after great strides for women. I want you women to know that I, that I see you, I, I value you. You are very important in God's eyes. You are the modern-day Eves and Rahabs and Bathsheba's and Deborah's and Esther's and Mary's. You can be the prophets for today. You can form the church. You can teach and raise up the next generation of leaders. You can make a difference in the world right now yourself. You are not worth less than any man. God created us all as equals, created in his image to reflect his love in the world in which we live. Every one of us has a part in God's plan for the world. And while we do tend to focus on the stories of men in the Bible much of the year, I hope that this pa- these past six weeks have shown you that there are many, many women in the Bible who deserve much more recognition than they tend to receive, much more recognition for what they have done in the grand story of God's plan for this world. Men and women, women and men, young and old, we all have a part to play in revealing God's love to the world. May we celebrate these stories of the Bible, but also celebrate what God is still doing in our lives today as we look to him to lead us, to to guide us, to use us, just as he did with those strong women and powerful women who are key characters in the biblical story. May we be so inspired to step out in faith as God calls us to love and serve in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who loves everyone who comes to him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you join me in a time of prayer? Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the stories of people in your book, your Bible, your word, who inspire us and encourage us to move forward and to deepen our faith, to respond to your call to love and serve one another. We thank you, God, for all these stories, for the women and men who are examples for us, who sought to follow Jesus Christ, for those who gave their hearts to you, And God, we just ask that as we give our hearts to you today that you will lead us and guide us and do great and wonderful things as you've done with so many people for thousands of years. God, we come together to lift up our prayers to you. We pray today, oh God, for the unfolding situation in our nation. There's protests come and go and there's, there's we just pray for peaceful resolution, O oh God. We pray for understanding. We pray that people will live in safety and that the true freedom that you offer will be the freedom that we all fight for. The freedom to protect one another, to watch out for one another, and to serve one another, to love our neighbors as you have commanded us to do. So Lord, help us to love. Help us to bring peace, Lord. We pray too for what's happening in Ukraine, Lord. We pray for protection of those people. We pray that there, that uh, that cooler heads will prevail and that peace will reign for your people. Lord, we pray too for the ongoing COVID situation in our country, as mandates begin to get dropped as restrictions begin to loosen. Lord, we pray for protection of the most vulnerable, for those for which the the virus could be deadly. Lord, we pray for those people that we may still find ways to protect them and watch over them and watch out for them and care for them and love them. Lord, we just pray for guidance and we pray for the this pandemic to come to an end. Yes, we are all tired of masks and social distancing, but God, we just do it because we know we need to protect one another. And so Lord, give us the patience to wait until the right time to to fully embrace once again the old way of living, I guess, so to speak. Lord, we pray for those in our church who are struggling these days, whether uh, they're at home or in hospital or We just pray, God, for healing in their lives. We pray for those who are waiting for tests. We pray for those who are lonely. We just pray, oh God, for your comfort to be with them. And if there's any way we as a church can support them, we God, we ask that you lead us and guide us and let us know what it is we can do. Lord, we pray for those in our hearts this day, for the loved ones around us, for our family members and friends. Lord, we lift them up to you. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you. We know that you have a great plan for this world. We know that you are seeking to save this world. That is why you sent us Jesus, so that we may follow him and learn how to live and how to love as you love us. Lord, enter our hearts today so that we may share this glorious love with those who are around us and so all may know of your grace and mercy and forgiveness. Lord, we lift all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you for joining us in worship once again this day. We look forward to hopefully seeing you in two weeks' time. But in the meantime, may God bless you wherever you are. If you'd like to support the ministry of our church, you may do so on our website, through our website, through eTransfer, or again, dropping your check off to Joyce. We thank you so much for your support and your encouragement in these days. May God bless you as you bless us. Let us go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.